Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your host Gordon and Don Abernathy. Jane Lynch! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can hear the sound of my voice. This microphone is covered by the thick layer of pubic hairs that shot from between Jane's teeth. During each commercial break, the producers wipe away the pelt of saliva-coated pubes that accumulate upon the mic. And each time Jane returns to the stage, she once again sprays a carpet of short, curly hairs all over the microphone. And the front row of the nauseated audience members. So forgive me if my voice is, shall we say, muffled. Fisher, thank you for visiting us from the past. When Comedy Central looked at this dais, they said we just don't have enough washed up, repugnant, drug addicted, menopausal husbands. Get me Carrie Fisher. Tonight we honor a monster in the entertainment industries. And like most monsters, she goes by one name, and that name is Rosilla. <laughs> Rosilla! Stomping through Hollywood for decades, breathing fire from her hairy snout, burning bridge after bridge. Her glowing red eyes striking terror in the heart of anyone unfortunate enough to look in her hideous face. Her gnarled cow-like hooves crushing and destroying everything in her path, stopping only to feed every 10 minutes and make one sitcom decades ago. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the What's in Your Head podcast. I just found out after I got home and got off the fishing kayak that today, Gilbert Godfrey, some of you know him as the voice of Aladdin actor. He did the voice of the parrot, not Aladdin. But Aladdin voice actor, comedian, dead at the young age of 67. After a long illness, Gilbert Godfrey has died. He was 67 years old. Way to cut to the chase, People Magazine. The actor and comedian's family announced the sad news on his official Twitter account Tuesday alongside with a photo of Godfrey. Quote, we are heartbroken to announce the passing of our beloved Gilbert Godfrey after a long illness. In addition to being the most iconic voice in comedy, Gilbert was a wonderful husband, brother, friend, and father to his two young children, the family said. Although today is a sad day for all of us, please keep laughing as loud as possible in Gilbert's honor. Love the Godfrey family, they added. 
Godfrey's longtime friend and publicist Glenn Schwartz tells people in an official statement, beloved and iconic comedian Gilbert Godfrey has passed away at 2.35 p.m. Eastern Time um, from recurrent ventricular trachea. I don't even want to slaughter that. Uh, T-A-C-H-Y-C-A tachycardia. Tachycardia. Due to a uh, more crap that I can't pronounce. But uh, that's not an illness that he, we're familiar with. I think he had a type of muscular dystrophy. Oh, okay. But tachycardia is uh, when your heart beat rhythm goes a little haywire. Yep. So sad day for the comic world. I remember growing up, he did all the uh, USA movie at night stuff. And um, that was just a clip of him roasting Roseanne. Joining us, as always, tonight from Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. And as always, not as always, but as a few times, a return guest from the Tackle Your Personal Best podcast here on the Digital 410 Network, Mr. Mike. I don't like to tell people my last name. What's up, Mike? How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? All right. Not too bad tonight. Welcome to the No Flat Bill version of the What's in Your Head podcast. Yeah, for some reason, no one's wearing flat bills tonight. Um, We didn't have a show last week because, well, food's expensive and refrigerators take shits. And so... Oh, fuck. So yes. we have two weeks worth of stuff to get into. So before we get into what Mike and I had done that we were going to talk about last week, let's get into Gordon's... You have a bad run with appliances and home non-durable goods. And there are appliances that are manufactured out of Korea. Oh, bastard. Samsung. Specifically. Samsung. So. And LG. The oh, fridge yeah. was an LG. The fridge so, was an LG. Gotcha. Yeah. Bad run. So we all know that we're supposed to clean the coils on our, our refrigerators. How often do we do that? No, Mike, this doesn't fall in the purview of a plumber, does it? Refrigerators? No. Yeah, no. Refrigerators, uh, we usually don't deal with. Yeah. Well, Unless LG, some old lady wants you to hook up her ice maker, I'm sure you'll happily pull that son of a bitch out and put some Teflon tape. Invented by the Teflonians in 1485. I bet you didn't know that. But I bet you'll happily hook up people's refrigerators for them well, if they ask nicely. Remember how refrigerators used to have the coil all the way up kind of the backside, or mm -hmm. at least the bottom half? But that's Easy not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, especially when you can't see it because it's back on the backside of the refrigerator anyway. Because after all, we all have freestanding refrigerators in our home. There's nothing more unsightly than the back of a refrigerator and all those ugly coils for the whole world to lay their eyes upon. Well, uh, let's, let's back the story up. So in, in hindsight, we were I see what all you did feeling there. a little, uh, back it up hindsight. Oh uh, yeah. It was a little backing it up going on. Some things weren't digesting well with everybody in the family that eats food out of the refrigerator, which is everybody. Cause um, you hand make your dog's meals every single night with love twice a day. Um, and uh, on the hindsight, you know, uh, Tuesday morning, Katina's like, uh, man, the water's warm. The milk's warm. Uh-oh. I've been telling you we need to clean this uh, coil for a while. I had two weeks before. I had actually just pulled it out and vacuumed off the little vents because there's a panel on the back now and there's some vents. The coil is buried behind said panel. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a, a wad of flexible conduit. It's not the grid anymore and any of that, but it had a good inch layer worth of dust on it when I came home for lunch. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come home. We're going to vacuum this thing out. We're going to see if this thing is okay, which it wasn't. And uh, needless to say, a 
thank God the freezer was just starting to defrost. But I had actually had Katina go out and get a refrigerator thermometer, throw that son of a bitch in there, and in the freezer. And it where just, does one find a refrigerator thermometer? Walmart. Of course, everything's found at Walmart. Everything they actually make Walmart. something like that for that. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Is wow. it similar to like the one you put in with in your oven with the long cable? This one's not. It's just one that sticks there, and it shows a blue zone for your safe food, and then you can put it in your freezer, and it shows a blue zone down, uh, you know, when it's frozen to keep everything safe. But much like your refrigerator. Nothing was safe in my refrigerator. But much like the refrigerator light bulb, how do you know it's working when the door's shut? Open it up and look at that thermometer. Because here's one of the things people don't realize is like, well, it says it's 36 degrees on my refrigerator. Well, most often not. That's just a set point. Mm-hmm. That's not the actual temperature. I set mine to five. Um, Mine's so old, like the one in the garage, it's like has one through ten. <laughs> five is that's medium. My one in the garage is not that old, but it's old school enough that that's also how it has. And needless to say, we ended up buying a refrigerator, throwing out all the food that was in the fridge, oh, except, for the, except for the cheese, which, you know, there was an argument that ensued over that one. And, now, what uh, kind of cheese was it like? Oh, a- various cheeses. Because some cheeses are just borderline moldy anyhow. Yeah, well, there's not the moldy part. It's the temperature part you got to worry about. Um, and needless to say, the last couple of days, we're still feeling a little poopy, uh, so to speak. And uh, come to find out, I said, yeah, you need to get rid of that cheese. I won that argument because I'm like, that. once it, once it goes gets too warm, you ain't getting it back. You know, and uh, I think that's kind of been hanging out a little. So we got rid of all the dairy products today. Hate throwing food out. I uh, got a new refrigerator. Everything is fantastic with the world. So uh, that's it. That was why we did not have a show because I had to go refrigerator shopping last Tuesday because we called home warranty and they're like, well, parts going to be out about two, three months. That shit ain't going to work. I bet they're loving that. They got all these people paying for home warranty services and they're not filing claims. Ah, supply chain. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got a whole warehouse full in the back. They just don't want yeah. to pay Steve labor charges to go install it. <laughs> right. And um, so needless to say, we got that taken care of. And then uh, my, my bad luck did not end. Uh, we went to the Highland Games out here in Las Vegas. I don't hey. know if you know what that is. And now were they like guy in a kilt will run and like throw a uh, telephone pole as far as I can, ass over tea kettle? Yeah, because that's what these Scottish do. Throw um, telephone poles? Telephone poles, big, uh, basically kegs. kettlebells and balls and Atlas shit. stones. At, you know, all that strongman stuff, I think, really comes originally from, like, the Highland Games. Now, is there an aspect, is there, like, a hint of, um, I don't want to say cosplay, but a hint of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Old-towny stuff where, like, the people in the audience are all dressed up in old-school shit? Well, so, let me explain how this one went. Uh, we, 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 we got, I, I got, I scored some free tickets, uh, which was cool. Like I I completely, I've been wanting to go for years cause they also have like the clan booth set up, not to be uh, confused to, the, who with I? that clan, <laughs> the, the, the clan. So we're Abernathy's, right? We actually belong to the Leslie clan. No, is this a clan with a C or a clan with a K? Depends on how you want to spell it, <laughs> but it's definitely kilt clan, not hood clan. Okay. Um, he did it again. Cause oh, it did not do hurt it someone's again. feelings. That Yet he didn't want to do it. Yes, troublesome people are often people in trouble. 
They may be mentally ill. Find out how you can help. Write Better Mental Health, Box 3000, New York 1, New York. Hi, my name is Tom McDonald. Welcome to the show. If you are easily offended, then you probably should go. Needless to say, uh, if you do a little research into our Scottish heritage, uh, you'll see it's about clans. Clans are basically a family. A family runs an area. They're called Lairds, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not even going to get all into it. Anyway, so we uh, we got these tickets. You know, Katina's getting kind of excited because I usually end up going with Greek Fest with her. I'm like, oh, good, something different. That's my heritage, but one that we really don't explore. And uh, so we loaded up Ollie in the truck or in the car, drove 18 miles to Floyd Lamb Park, seeing people in kilts and, you know, walking in. Was there like walk- an ambiance? There's a little bit of an ambiance. Uh, walking up to the gate, get the ticket. He goes, uh, no dogs. Oh, really? Nothing like being at a World War II event at the end of the day, everybody drunk singing a song. You're familiar with the song, right? Am I? Yes. Very familiar. I've heard several different renditions of it. But anyhow, so Ollie was not pure blood so they gave him das boot got das boot actually he would have fit in quite well so chance are if he showed up well, like scott's a, was a cavalier fan like if you would have showed up like a donkey say, or something they would have let you in so the guy dressed in kilt and stuff said yeah no dogs i'm like did he say mean? dogs or dags do you like he dags he didn't he didn't totally affect the accent but he pointed to the entry sign where you buy tickets he says no pets gotta get a vest I walk away a little Tina goes, we're going to take it. I said, I am not driving 18 miles back home and then turn around driving 18 miles back up here. And you ain't leaving them in the car either. They ain't leaving them in the car. So we, uh, it, it kind of ended up being a flop. But, you know, I was getting pretty amped up hearing the bagpipes and the drums and, and all that stuff going in. But uh, never, never paid it. We got bounced because of our dog. As a gift, they left a blue silk ribbon tied into a bow around the bunny star. The Scots kilted lift and show. Ring, ding, diddle, diddle, adio. Ring, da, diddle, io. Around the bunny star. The Scots kilted lift and show. Now the Scotsman woke to nature's call and stumbled towards the trees. Behind the bush, he lifts his kilt and gawks at what he sees. And in a startled Everybody now. Son, I don't know where you've been, but I've seen you one first prize. Now there's the delay. You had delay in your end. So did you... Actually, that is not the end of that song, by the way. Did you... Um, did you at least do something else while you're 18 miles from home, or did you just say, fuck it, and turn around? I said, fuck it, I'm going to go home. Picked up some uh, Mexican food. and uh, that that's and, uh, That sure swings it the other way. Oh, such a great song. You know, this song reminds me of Hurricane Irma. When I didn't have power for 16 days, and every morning I had to get up and go get water and gasoline for the generator, I just cranked this song. But we won't play it because we don't want to get muted. So you just said fuck it, went home, didn't like try to find a dog park or a, a mountain pass, something fun. No, yeah, we just went home, uh, and, and and that was it. So, uh, yay. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was our, our Sunday. And that's, that's it, man. That's kind of all I got for the, the week. What's up going on, James Johnson? Um, real quick rollback. So a week ago? Was it a week ago? Technically, Monday would have been a week ago. So the Friday before the Monday a week ago, um, me, Mike, and Ron packed up the old kayaks and canoes and head out west to buy some desert land. Oh, wrong song. We went up to Lake Okeechobee to go fishing because that's where the big bass are. At least they tell us. And uh, we uh, went out, and first and foremost, we, we got this. <laughs> the hotel room we got is this place called the Lake Fort Lodge. And it's basically, if you can think of an old hunting cabin type atmosphere and then apply that to a fishing uh, fishing hotel room, that's what it was, complete with gun rack. I'm sorry, Bailey's playing their ball on the floor while I'm trying to do a podcast, Bebop. That's bad pod. Um, but anyhow, we went out fishing Friday, and it was windy and all get out. And um, Mike's partner, Ron, is like super science guy. He's, he does more research than anybody. And uh, they hit me up with sort of baits to buy and this and that. And um, you hear the kid yelling in the background between the dog and yep. the kid? Yes, I do. So, Mike, you know, you guys had a whole list, and uh, PB Baits hooked us up with some baits, and uh, apparently you guys looked at the uh, water temperature and the color and this and that, and you thought, you know, hey, Junebug, black and blue is the way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ron is more, like you said, the technical guy, so as far as getting all the little details and stuff like that that's more his thing you know i kind of i kind of follow his lead when it comes to that so but yeah out there on okeechobee i mean black and blue and and you know all those colors that i mean as you know it worked out perfectly so so you got we pull up and there's a a sweet ass 2020 toyota tundra wrapped fishing and has all these sponsors on there and got these bass boats and all these big ass but badass trailers and these trucks and these guys are out there launching their bass boats sounding like fucking dragsters taking off their their dual outboard engines just and here's the three of us putting in our kayaks and runs ron has what i like to call the 1970s summer camp canoe it's exactly what you're imagining the silver Riveted canoe, complete with faded... You like the ones we would go to Darby Creek and rent and take down river? More like the ones that we would paddle around Camp Wilson at the YMCA camp in Ohio when we were kids. Complete with faded sticker and like... Um, this would not fly today, but it, complete with... You want to talk about cultural appropriation. Has old school like little TPs and like Native American icons stenciled down the side. They're all faded 1970s style stickers. But he pimped this thing out. He's he's got like a a, a very high end, almost bass fishing pro Garmin side scan super depth finder on it. He's got a troller motor on it. He's got he uh re he rebuilt the main structure so it will support swiveling bass seats. I mean, he went all out on this thing. And well, I get a boat. Well, he, I can make this canoe into the best boat in the world. Yeah, pretty much. He's one of those. He's one of those that. That's cool. Time and money I, is more than what the thing. Well, he could have bought, you know, something else. But, hey, talk about low maintenance. That but, is the way to go. No fuel. Yeah, but the the problem yeah. is, is this is one of those things you you know, kind of like when I made my 
when I first got the fish finder for our kayak, I, I tried to make a, a transom holder and it was just a, it, it was a nightmare. And so what happens a lot of times when you make stuff like that, you're out there dicking with your equipment the whole time instead of just fishing. But, um, when we want to go far and wide, which we've done this plenty of times before, we hook up what we call static lines. And so Mike will hook up to the canoe and then I'll hook up my kayak to the back of Mike and he'll just pull us long distances and it works great. It was windier and shit. <laughs> the water was a foot and a half deep in most places, sometimes less than that. I got stuck on a sandbar. I think you got you got stuck in the same sandbar too, didn't you? Yeah, that, that there was that one little spot that you could actually see that was uh it was probably like two inches of water right there. We yeah, and the activity, you see spot. me doing the ab exercise back and forth. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, why don't you get out? Because your foot will sink and knee deep into that shit. Carrie lost a, Carrie lost a uh, flip-flop taking a piss one time. She got out of her kayak, stepped in the mud, and you go <laughs> thigh deep, quicksand. But we were out there for a good two hours before anybody got a, a fish. But the, yeah, easily. The fish we were getting hits on, though, they were big. I mean, compared to what we pull out of cape coral all the time and cape coral if you hit a, if you pull on a two and a half three pound fish that's a good day uh you know that's a good week here in cape coral i think the first fish i had on that jumped off was probably two pounds and then mike his first fish he hooked up was like a pound and 13 ounces or something like that and the crazy thing is because of all the shit that they dump in the lake O from the sugar plantations the lake looks like a cup of coffee I, I dropped a pair of pliers and a foot and a half deep water and they were gone. Forget about it. It's like dropping a penny into a, a thermos, you know, into a coffee mug and then trying to, to find it with the um, added bonus of the potential of an alligator being down there. We only saw five that day. <laughs> but when you pull these bass out, they're so dark. You know, here here in Cape, you know, our bass are nice and white with some light green on them. They're super pretty, but they're, they're, they're hogs, they're fat, and they're dark. And so Mike hooked up on one, and then I finally caught one that was about a pound and a half. And then, um, so, so Ron, because he has the the uh, troller motor, he, he'll zip off and leave me and Mike to paddle on our own. And uh, I'm fishing. Yeah, and he goes like, he he's trolling like a mile away from us. We can't even talk to him. We have to call each other on the phone. <laughs> and so Ron, I mean, Mike yells at me. What did you yell at me, Ron? I mean, Mike... I forget what it was. I don't remember. Ron needs some help. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're what does Ron need help yeah. with, Mike? <laughs> Apparently, Ron called me and he said, I need some help. There's a gator over underneath my canoe or something like that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, what do you expect us to do? So I told D-Train, I was like, hey, man, Ron needs us to go over there. He's got a gator that's like hanging around him or something like that. <laughs> D-Train yells back like, what the hell are we supposed to do about that? Now, for those of you playing at home, Ron's in a kayak. I mean, in a canoe. And canoes, you sit on top of the canoe. So your seat is about, oh, I don't know, three feet off the surface of the water, give or take, which is why people flip canoes over because they're top heavy. A Correct. kayak... Sits about nine feet off, nine inches off the water, but it's recessed, and your butt is only about two inches off the bottom. So we're floating about four inches off the top of the water. And I'm like, let me get this straight. He's standing up in a canoe. He's got three feet of sidewall to protect him. He's got a seat that's mounted at the top. And he wants two people that are floating four and a half, five inches off the surface of the water with no protection to come bail him oh, out. Oh, you got protection on you. I have protection on me, but it's like, why didn't you just smack it on the ass of your paddle and say, very well, friend. But, <laughs> but by the time we got over, it was long gone. But, um, 
I was like, what do you want us to do? Well, and, and as far as we know, I mean, because of the way that the water was looking, I mean, you couldn't hardly see anything. You were lucky if you saw anything floating around in that water at all. The only time, yeah. the only time you saw gators is you see the tip of their nose and their two eyeballs. And the yeah. distance from that nose to their eye is how you estimate how big the motherfucker is. The first one we now, saw was a little baby. He was, when we were coming out of the boat ramp, we had one in front of us, probably about two feet long. Yeah. Now, how is the water there? Does it get a lot of the runoff from the uh, sugar farms? It's all runoff. It's One, it's runoff, too, because we're in a drought here in Florida. They've been basically providing water for all the local municipalities there. And now, keep in mind, we're in kayaks and canoes, and this is a 30-mile lake give or take, and we didn't, technically, we never even got out of the inlet. I mean, we never went out on Lake Go proper. It would have taken us four hours to paddle out there or two and a half hours to be pulled out there. So we've we, been dead day one. Yeah, so we were, we were fishing. God damn, there's not enough burritos to power this. Yeah, we were fishing <laughs> in the inlets, but it was super, it was super dark, but it was fun because, you know, being here in Cape Coral. Now, to rewind a little bit, um, the spring season was picking up pretty good for me. I, Carrie and I had been fishing quite a bit, and we've been pulling a lot of dinks. And then, so that was Friday. The Monday, uh, the Sunday before going into that week, um, I was out fishing, and I just finally started throwing frogs, little rubber frogs that float, or plastic frogs. They float. You bounce them off lily pads. Everybody's always telling me, throw a frog, throw a frog. And I'd, I had thrown some the day before and got some hits but I had yet to hook up on them because frogs, they have two rear hooks coming out of the back. It's a different, you know, hook up on them than a trouble hook. It takes a little while to figure out how to hook up. And so that Sunday night, um, I was casting, doing TikTok live and they were hitting, it would hit the lily pad and these fish would slam on them and I would miss, slam on them. I would miss. I finally hooked up. I finally landed my first one. He's about maybe a half a pound, but hey, cool. I, I nothing better than catching a, your first bass on a, a new style bait. And then, and Carrie's like, oh man, what the hell? And so I'm paddling, I throw it and it gets hit again and gets off. She's like, why is everything hitting on your frog? I'm like, you got a frog in your boat, put it on. And so cast again, and that one hit, caught another dink. She paddles in front of me. And when we come out of the backside of Lake Zurich, there's a little overpass from the, the local residential street. And on the other side is a city water substation that's sucking water in out of uh, the backside of Lake Zurich so they can, you know, clean it and use it for city water. And I came out of the bridge and I just tossed my frog and something, boom, took it, ran. And that took me a little sleigh ride, bumped me in the wall. And that's the one I pulled in. You guys probably seen on YouTube or my TikTok of the two and a half pounder. So that was like, sweet. That's a good start to the spring. Um, very next day, coming out of that same place, nothing's hitting on the frog. Fishing that same canal system. And that's the weird, and, Ron, and Mike can tell you about this too. That's the weirdest thing about fish. They'll be hitting on something one day you go back the very next day and that bait is like worthless. He's like, what yeah. the what the hell? So I'm throwing his frog, nothing, nothing. And there's a cat stand down there on the bank. He's bank fishing, pulling in some small fish or with his worm. And he's like, You ever fish out in the middle? I'm like, uh, not really. I said, We fished out there, but it's either usually super windy or it's only like a foot and a half deep. He's like, Well, I've been standing here for the last 45 minutes watching them blow up on on the top. And he's like, I just can't cast that far. And I said, Well, you know, I caught a decent fish off this frog yesterday, but no luck tonight. So I paddle out there and I tie on a, a Guggen Whopper Plopper, what they call a revolver. I cast that thing out, second cast, and rolled it in. And there's nothing. Fishing and with worms is fun, but top water, you get to see that hit. There's nothing more exciting than a top water hit. 
The frogs are fun to watch because you see them yank them while I'm reeling this thing in and something just hits it and goes down. And um, I pulled in. He was three and a half pounds. So great. Two days, pull a two and a half or three and a half pounds. Once again, in Cape Coral, those are great fish. If you're living in Texas or Lake Okeechobee, those are considered dinks. But it was, a, it was a great start. So now fast forward to that Friday, and we're out there catching one and a half pounders and some dinks. It's getting near the afternoon. The wind's still picking up. And uh, Ron pulls us this spot. Now, the grass beds underneath, because the tide is so strong, they're just they, the grass beds are moving. And Ron has a super nice Garmin fish finder that does side scan. And it's just like when you watch a Lunkers TV or whatever, and you see their, their Garmin. He has pretty much a, a, a little bit lesser version, but you can see. If there's a tire on the ground, you'll see it. It, it marks everything. And he, he's like, hey, I can see some fish beds. He's like, this whole area is just fish beds. So he... he Point a spot to Mike. Mike dropped his anchor, started casting, and he's like, "Follow me." And so we we went a little long, and he said, "Here's five more." So I dropped my anchor, and I started throwing a chatterbait. It's only a foot and a half deep. Whatever, throwing it, and it, I'm sure you guys probably seen the YouTube video or my TikTok or even the video I post on Facebook. My pole, I'm uh, Carrie calls me because she just got home from school, so that means it was only two forty five in the afternoon, and she was worried that we were going to beat her personal best, her six and a half pounds. And I had sent her a photo of the, the one-and-a-half-pounder and the ones of Mike. She's like, so you guys catch anything bigger yet? I'm like, no. So I caught one-and-a-half-pounder. Mike caught one in um, 13 ounces. Said Ron caught a real nice bow fin. thing was like four feet long, but that don't count because it's not a bass. And as she's talking, my pole goes, Whoop. I said, hold on. I think I got something. And luckily, I had my anchor down. I ended up pulling in an eight-and-three-quarter-pound bass on this fucking this thing. And it's so funny because a lot of people say, oh, you, you know, you can't catch big fish in a kayak. You'll flip over. <laughs> I, I did. I pulled that son of a bitch in. And Mike was, uh, you were about 20, 30 yards from me when that thing hit. Yeah, something like that. And, uh, I mean, again, the, the first thing that I hear is, holy shit. <laughs> you got a net? Nope, I ain't got a net. All right, well, you're just trying to it, wrestle it, with it. It ran my drag out like four or five times. Yeah, and then Mike saw it break the surface, and he's like, "Holy shit, we got a big one!" <laughs> and Carrie's on the phone. She's like, "How big is it?" I'm like, "It's eight or nine pounds." She's like, "What?" And so I'm reeling and reeling. I'm like, "You got a you got a net, Mike?" And he's like, "No, Ron's fucking thousand yards away." I got one. <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> I'll try to keep from getting off. And so, and what turned out to be a great photo, and I'm I'm making it the logo for the poles and paddle on the YouTube channel. I put my pole in my right hand. I stretched it out because I got this long wingspan. And the pole is arced over my head and going straight down. And I grab my lip locks, which gives me about an extra eight inches of reach. And I have found in the past that uh, whenever I get a decent fish on there, there's been many times, and Mike can attest this, once the fish is out of the water, it's no longer buoyant. And so it, the gravity kicks in, and that's why you lose a lot of fish when they jump on the surface. It just rips their lip and they get off. And I have lost some fish in the past where I'll go to grab them and then they'll they'll do that shake and they'll slip out of your thumb, the the lip will rip, and the hook gets off and you lose the fish. So now anytime I get a decent fish, I'll just grab up my lip lock. So I I had my arm out far to the right and I just leaned over and he swam close enough to the boat and he was tired. I, I was able to get him my lip locks and I pulled that son of a bitch up in the boat and I was like, holy fuck. And this thing's just <laughs> sitting between my legs. I could have put both my fists side by side in this thing's mouth. That's how big its mouth was. This thing was a freaking monster. Yeah, it's it's eyeballs were. Uh, that's the one thing that that kills me because I hadn't seen a, a fish that size in person, and the biggest thing 
that really got me was how big its eyes were. I mean, they had to have been at least an inch. And that's massive. So how long until uh, Kerry wants to go out to Lake Okeechobee? Oh, we're, we're planning on it. We're hoping to go here sooner than later. And the crazy thing was, is like my hands were shaking. I was so, so full of adrenaline, I'm like trying to weigh this thing. I got to do like almost like a kettlebell out in front of me, both arms just trying, watching it go up the nine and a half and then finally settle down and stop shaking. But he came in at, he came in at 8.75 after I did the math. Cause I'm always honest. My lip locks weigh 0.21. So I have to back that off of the, the weight. But I pulled him in, and uh, that was fun. Sadly, it's Sunday. I think I was actually the last fish of the day, too, wasn't it? Uh, no, I caught one after that on a chatterbait. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, I th- think maybe Ron might have caught one, and then the next day... Yeah, the next day, we didn't get shit. And that night, we went to Walmart, and I re-spooled my line. And I don't know if I had a bad batch of fluorocarbon, but that the very next day... I, the line snapped. I lost the chatterbait that I caught him on. That pissed me off. Um, this just, week just went flying. Yeah, it just <laughs> boom. See there you. went your lucky bait, huh? And then um, I still how, had how, how superstitious are fishermen? Um, well, with that, I know where you're going, but it was my cursed pole that I caught the eight and a half pounder. But it was also my cursed pole that I caught the three and a half and the two and a half. So the curse had so been worn off not- by then. Yeah, except for the loss of bait. Anyway. Well, the thing is, I had to been bum line because I, up until today, I still had that line on there, and um, I lost a chatterbait with my sec backup chatterbait. I was casting last night, and boom, the line just snapped. And this is for a 12, 13-pound fluorocarbon. It's not even like mono filament. And then um, last night, I was throwing my Google revolver, and the line snapped. Luckily, that one floats. I paddled over, and I said, fuck this, and I tied it onto my braided line. And um, I was going to fish braid tonight, but when we are leaving, Carrie forgot one of my poles, so I only had one pole. Uh, we went out yesterday. Oh, speaking of crazy fish, so we got home Saturday. We had to leave it to Mike had stuff to do. Um, we came home. We went out Sunday, and um, I had a bag of Z-Man worms that Ron recommended, which we have never used before. They're super stretchy. And I put one on. I didn't fish with it at all on Chobie. I put one on and pulled in two right away. Carrie's like, oh, what the hell? You're out fishing in Lake Okeechobee all weekend, and now you're pulling them in here. So I gave her. She ended up catching 14 fish. Off She's those, competitive, isn't she? Oh, we both are. Yeah. She caught 15, 14 fish off those Z-Mans on Sunday, very next day after I got back. And I caught like Now, eight. do you all add up the math of the total weight of the fish that you get? No, because we don't weigh them unless we think they're close to two pounds. You know, you Do don't want to. Bassmaster style, you yeah, know. Yeah, you don't sit there and weigh a, a dink. But if you think it's pushing two pounds then you'll weigh it just just for fun and then um the next day we went out she caught a bunch more and then this weekend we went out saturday she caught 12 15 i caught eight and then sunday she caught maybe 14 15 i caught eight or nine and then all of a sudden monday rolls around we go out she catches four i catch one and then tonight we go out i didn't catch shit and she caught like three it's like there's the weather's just it's a great day. It's windy. I don't know if the barometric pressure or not, but for some reason they just were not biting today. So yeah, there, there's there's a hundred different reasons why when it comes to bass fishing that you know yesterday was a really excellent day. You know we caught you know our limit. Next day you go out, you're trying to throw everything that you have in your bag or your box or whatever, and, and it just yeah, that's on, how finicky they are. Mm-hmm. On or off, huh? Exactly. It flips like a switch. So now, interestingly enough, 
Um, I've been trying to do live streams on TikTok, and my quality has been sucking, sucking bad. And it's been sucking for a while. And it turns out, hey, speaking of Ron, there he is. Um, Ron's in the live stream. What's up, Ron? Um, turns out after, uh, so yesterday I finally got pissed because Mike always comes into live, carries live stream. I tried going to Don's, his sucks. And uh, she always says like 200 people in hers. I got like four holding on. So yesterday from my kayak, I call up T-Mobile. And I say, hey. They're like, what's up? I said, uh, here's my number, yada, yada. I said, how long have I been a client with you? Almost 16 years. I said, look, I don't know what the deal is, but it seems like ever since you guys start buying up other phone providers, the signal sucks. I said, I'll call people and I have to reboot my phone. It sounds like they're underwater. I sound like I'm underwater. Um, I said, ever since I got this phone, I can't live stream. And I said, look, I'm not out in the middle of a swamp. I'm out in the middle of a lake. I'm in a kayak in a canal in a residential neighborhood. I said, I can't live stream. I said, my old lady is in a kayak 20 feet from me on Verizon. And everything works fine. Now, I don't know if they, so we went through some settings. She had me turn off the um, the mobile data roaming because it'll you'll roam into non-T-Mobile um, mm-hmm. satellites. And she checked, and I was like, well, you know, my brother has the same phone. I said, I've already turned the 5G off. I said, he lives in Vegas, and he has to turn the 5G off. And she looked, actually, we're, the the rollout completion in Cape Coral should be done in four weeks for the 5G. I said, well, it don't matter. It's already turned off. I said, it has to be an upload thing. And so we went through a few things, and I tried again. Still didn't fix it. And then she called me back and said, well, I was looking at the manufacturer date on your SIM card. It's pretty old. When I got my Samsung, I just took the SIM card out of my LG and put it in there because I have so many contacts on there. And I think that card probably was from the phone before that. So that card had been through three phones. And I was It's like, amazing how those SIM cards can affect the phone. Yeah, you just think the SIM card, all, what does it do? Oh, it stores my contacts, and it basically tells T-Mobile my account number. You would think it's sounds all it like, does. Sounds like it acts like a giant resistor. Apparently it does, yeah. And so I, um, so I was like, that's fine. I'll go get a new SIM card tomorrow. Not a big deal. My phone rings, T-Mobile expert. They call I me back. You. Oh, we just want to make sure we get this situated. You know, we understand the importance of live streaming. Now, I don't know if they think I'm like some big freaking influence or whatever. No, no. They've stepped up their customer service game, believe it or not. Well, you haven't heard half of it yet. Uh-huh. And uh, so we're going all through this stuff. So, well, one, I want to give you a discount on the monthly bill. But two, um, I'm going to call you back on Wednesday after you get a SIM card. And if... Because I said, you know, I got the Samsung S21 Plus. I said it's the fastest Samsung they sell with the exception of the next step up, which is the Ultra, which is the one you have. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'll call you back on Wednesday, and if you're still having problems, we'll just send you an Ultra for free. We'll upgrade you to the Ultra. I'm like, well, I said, to be honest with you, I said, the problem I'm having is I said, uh, when, I, when I moved to the Samsung, I gave my daughter my LG, and I was a big fan of LG, and she was riding to school, and it fell out of her pocket, landed in the street, and broke. The screen broke. It's just dead. I said, I took it over to T-Mobile store, and I said, it's not under warranty. Basically, I have to eat it. I said, so my daughter's using a six-year-old Samsung that used to belong to my stepmom. And he's like, I'll call you back on Wednesday. He said, I'll see if I can get you a new one. He said, I'll, we'll replace her phone. He's like, if I can't get you an LG, then we'll send you a Samsung. So um, they were so worried about me leaving after 15 years. They're replacing a phone that they pre- the people at the retail level said that tough shit you dropped it you broke it not doesn't fall within the purview of our warranty but guy on the phone after calling he so i'm talking to him tomorrow if they can't give me an lg i'll say hey send me the ultimate i'll just give her my plus so i might get a funny if it shows up as a 22 ultra yeah 
So, yeah, so who knows? I might get a, a, a free phone out of the deal. Do, 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 do. I had a story up here, but I closed it out and I already deleted it. It had something to do with um, something going on at Walmart. But um, so I did a TikTok last week, which garnered a lot of views. And then Wink News did a story on it. And that is the um, Southwest Florida Alliance for the Arts down on McGregor. You ever drive past there, Mike, on the corner of McGregor um, and Colonial? Yeah, I believe I have. You know how yep. they got the sculpture of the elephants and the lions out in the field? Yep. Those actually belong to a client of mine who used to have them on their lanai until they had to go live in an assistant living facility, and then they donated them to them. So every time I drive by, I don't see them in the field. I picture them around the pool of an art lover that I used to do work for. They actually had have people come down with like forklifts to take those things out. They, they're pure metal, Gordon. They're sculptures of a baby elephant, a mother elephant, and then a um, uh, mama lion. No, uh, uh, yeah, two lions. They're, they now have them out in the field. But anyhow, some artist painted... Um, murals of the Zelensky photos that we all seen on Facebook, the one of him and his four homeboys, you know, out in the street. And then one of him with the Ukrainian flag. And it was just, it was just the pictures. There was no plaques, no support Ukraine, just murals sitting there. And, um, I had been meaning to go down there and, and just take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. And then sometime last week I drove by and I when couldn't help, but noticed that there was red paint thrown across them. And so I did TikTok about it. I just said, no, oh, some pro-Russian dipshit vandalized the um, the murals. Well, apparently Wink News did a story on it, too. Works of art vandalized the paintings of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. But that destruction isn't stopping the artists behind the murals. In fact, it's fueling them to create more. Wink News reporter Michelle Alvarez shows us how they're not letting those vandals destroy their spirit. Tarps now cover the murals of Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. One corner reveals what drivers along McGregor Boulevard first saw Monday. Red, white, and blue paint mixed with metallic stars smeared across both murals at Alliance for the Arts. Some people love it, some people hate it, but we don't expect anybody to throw paint on it. Sherry Schifrin is director of the Fort Myers Mural Society. They funded and facilitated the painting of the murals. Our intent with these murals was to just put forward a heartfelt message that we stand behind you human to human. But it was amazing to me how pissed off the amount of comments I got on my TikTok just for saying a pro-Russian dipshit did this. And, you know, you got everything under the sun. And, um, and I found this video like, look, I'm not down with... Ukrainian government's politics. Yeah, we don't even know anything about their government. You, we're, know? you know, we're not down with their government. We're not down with their politics, but we don't, you know, we're supporting the the citizens. We're, we're also not down with a larger country deciding, hey, let's just go uh, invade another country unprovoked. And, uh, but it's just, it's, it always amazes me how you do something simple and it just blows up and the amount of heat you get and, and, the, and the weird comments. Gordon even started talking to some of these people about the weird comments that they put up on there. It's just, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it is. And, and now seeing what's going on over there, uh, 
it sounds like Putin's going to double down. And I, as much as I don't want boots on the ground in that, I'm like, when is this enough enough? Mm-hmm. You know, when is it that we got to call his bluff? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. This is just, they're saying 10,000 plus dead in Mariupol. Up there, you're expecting upwards of 20 plus thousand corpses lining the streets. Of course, you know, the Russian government's saying, oh, this is all fake. Well, you can't, with as much Western media out there who's got pretty much free reign of the area, mm-hmm. you can't fake that shit. You don't got enough time if you were to be that crooked. And again, we don't really know their politics of Ukraine. We do know that they've been, we understand, have an idea that they're trying to push, you know, to become more free like like the West. You know, that they want, they want they had designs to try to join NATO, which is evidently a, a big thorn in Putin's side. Uh, you know, it just, God, it just sucks. You know, I try not to even pay attention to the news, but once, twice a week. And well, it's crazy. Today, we today have, I paid attention. I was like, oh, dear God. I haven't anyway. watched it, but it's crazy, you know, because we have such a short attention span and the news is all about making money. It was all Ukraine for 30 days. And once Will Smith goes around smacking bitches, the news cycle quickly changed. It went from all Ukraine, to all Oscar footage and talking about how up in arms everybody was about the audacity of Will Smith smacking people. It's just like, well, that really knocked Ukraine off the headlines super quick. Quite, quite literally. And I know one of the big concerns is, is it's the, that soil is going to dry up. Those wheat fields are going to dry up to where they could drive tanks on here within the next month or so. Mm-hmm. And once they're able to do that, that's when I think we're going to see some change. So do we start sending mines? I don't know what we do. Are mines even legal in war anymore? I have no idea, but something. I think mines are still legal. Although I tell you, some of those videos I've seen with those guys just pushing those mines off, like full cigarettes are hanging out of mouth, kicking them off the side of the road, and the little white car driving around them. Mike, that doesn't surprise you, though, right? No, not at all. I mean, you served in the military, and... After a while, you just kind of. Yeah, I guess if you're used to it, you're, you know, especially they seem to be a little, a little more interesting and a little tougher than a lot of our citizens. To be quite as honest. you're, as you're going to say though, Mike. Well, um, I actually didn't serve overseas. I was fortunate enough. I didn't have to go, but in doing training for all of those things and, and, and seeing, you know, what those kinds of, or what those people are capable of and, and just learning that, the people on that side of the world are just so nonchalant when it comes to that kind of thing. They, they just, they don't, it doesn't bother them. You know, they're so used to fuck it. If I die, I die. (laughs) Exactly. They're so used to bombs and, and, you know, things going off and, and, you know, it's just, it's it's just mind blowing as an American citizen that, well, that and, they just don't care. Well, that and I <laughs> uh, from what I, the situation. Well, that yeah. from what I understand, they the, those type of mines have like a six hundred pound pressure plate on them. They're meant for heavy vehicles to roll over. So I, I guess yeah. they figured my two hundred and well, they'd have to do it in kilograms, whatever they're the two hundred and twenty pound equivalent of them in kilograms isn't going to set it off. Well, and what they've been through in the last thirty days, I think, is the ultimate in stress inoculation. Yeah, you know, just. It's, it's insane. Real quick, I want to get to this, get this out of the way. Um, life changes after life changes. 18 years. Um, I'm no longer, well, I won't be after the end of April, but uh, Act Computers will no longer be sponsoring the uh, Digital 410 Studios because Act Computers will cease to exist in another week or so. Um, after 18 years, I thought we were going to survive the pandemic and inflation, but just not, not the case. Um, it was the whole trickle-down economics things, really. I mean, when, and it always has been to a, a little bit because 
obviously we're here in Florida, we're a service-based society. And so like our busy season, even though we don't work directly with residential, our business clients do. And so in the off season, they're slow and so they don't have the money. And so we're slow in the off season. During the snowbird season, they get more customers, they get more revenue, then that's when they can afford to do their projects and we'd be busy. And, um, but long story short, um, I had a, three or four of my veterinarian clients were bought out by nationwide companies who had their own uh, managed service providers, so I lost those contracts. I had uh, two or three customers go out of business. And then um, with you know everybody being affected, I had other customers just taking 60 to 90 days to pay me. And just, you know, when you're a one-man operation after Dad retired and, and Caitlin left, it's like when you're one man doing jobs, you know, yes, net 30 is the, is the standard. But when you're one person, you need to get paid for the jobs you're doing. <laughs> That's just the way it is because the only money coming in is the jobs you can do. And and so long story short, um, I start my new gig on Monday. I'm super excited. Um, for the first time in 18 years, I'll have a 9-to-5 gig. So I won't have to, like a lot of times after these podcasts, I upload the show and then I go back to work. I'm doing invoicing, doing billing. That's why sometimes the websites don't get updated for two days because I'm just constantly working. My phone goes goes off at six thirty in the morning, seven morning. Sometimes I get text messages at nine, ten, eleven at night. There is no business hours since text messaging became the form of communication. So I'm so looking forward to having a nine to five gig, going in, uh, and even better. My new office is five miles from my house. Get in my car, drive five miles, get out of my car, sit there for eight hours, maybe leave for a thirty minute lunch get back in my car, or drive home. So now I want to go from driving between 60 to 80 miles a day to driving 14. So I'll save on tires. I'll save on gas. Uh, the thing I was starting to worry about, my starter, because I start my truck so much, I won't be surprised if I'm going to have to replace that starter in a couple of months because every once in a while I'll turn it and it makes it sound like, oh, that's not good. And so just the, and not only that, Mike does service work in a work van. Mm-hmm. People don't realize the edge of your seat takes a whooping from sliding your ass across that. I used to have seat co- cloth seat covers in my Tacomas and even in my um, Colorado before that. And my cloth seats would start to get a hole worn in the side of them just from sliding in and out all day long. Yeah, the service van I drove as an electrician was uh, just got wore down too, you know. I would get in and out of a... You, ha- you have a work shirt, right, Mike? Yeah. How how many do you replace them so often, or do you get a couple of years out of them? Work shirts, uh, probably three or four months. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was gonna say here's a fun, but you can still do this when you put your work shirt on tomorrow. Look at your left collar and left shoulder. I wear Dickies button-up shirts, and I would get them embroidered, and I would wear them for quite some time because once again they're not cheap. But I started to notice that all my left shoulders and the collars on the left side were getting holes in them. I'm like, what the hell? Why are my shirts wearing down on the left side? Dragging a seatbelt over my shoulder seat belt. 30 times yep. a day. It would wear, it would literally wear a hole in my left shoulder, my Dickies work shirts, and it would uh, fray the edges of the collar just from putting a seatbelt on 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day. Yeah, I've noticed that before where I've gotten a couple holes in a t shirt here, here and there, work shirt. But uh, yeah, the, the, the seat in my work truck is actually. Uh, starting to get worn down. I'm worried because I just bought a brand new truck, pickup truck, 
Um, and I'm starting to worry about that seat starting to get worn down, but I bought seat covers and all that fun stuff. Well, one of the things I try to do in my Tundra, I don't always do it, but if I'm thinking about it, I'll actually stand on my step-up bar, rotate my butt, and then sit it, <laughs> rotate in like I'm in an office chair to try to minimize that slide. But I have leather seats in that one. And yeah. and how many you know work trucks, Gordon, how many times you look down, there's a hole in your floor mat from your heel, from switching from gas to brake, gas to brake. You just wear a hole down on the floor. So I'm looking forward to not wearing and tearing and destroying my cars and and uh, paid vacation. Oh, that's huge, dude. I haven't been on I haven't been on a legit vacation in, since 2004. There was yeah, the, the lady's going to start looking. Well, you know, there's a few times when I worked for uh, K Rock that I would go to Kentucky and go to mom's house for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a vacation. No, because every day between 2 and 6, I was remoted into K-Rock Studios making sure that best of was running on time. So e- even if we were down there and my sister or cousins came over and said, hey, let's go to the mall or let's go do so, I can't between 4 and 6. And so... It's what we call a working vacation. And so I'm so looking forward to just being a an employee and not a company owner. Hey, well, Mike, I would ask what trade you're in, but I believe the P-trap on your hat may answer my question. <laughs> yep, that'll tell it for you. I am a plumber. As uh, I'm a, a service P-trap. technician as a plumber, though. So Excellent. Yeah. I need to get you to come you know, up. You know, plumbers and electricians don't really get along, even though we're kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you can go screw yourself, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Quit leaving all your wire bits all over the floor. Um, what are those uh, we tanks? We don't do that. <laughs> what are the tanks outside on the well? You have the main holding tanks, and then you have the two sub tanks. What are those called? They're usually bladder tanks. Bladder tanks. I had one rupture about two years ago that I replaced, and then my dad had two that ruptured that he replaced. And I think one of them's for the main line, and the other one's probably to provide pressure for the irrigation. Does that make sense? So if you have a well system, yes. you have your uh, main pump that comes in, yep. and then you have a bladder tank that works for that. And then you have your pump inside of your uh, aeration tank, mm-hmm. and that also has a bladder tank for it as well. And then there's a second bladder tank outside. Yeah, I, I yeah, think it goes to the sprinklers. Not sure. It could be there. There could be a a, a a secondary for that. Because my dad was one of the people who got forced in a city water by Cape Coral, and he replaced both his bladder uh, tanks, but he kept one of them, I think, for his uh, his irrigation. But he gave me a brand new one. It's sitting on the side of my house, and so I had Why already replaced you? one. What's that? Why would you need a bladder tank if you're on city water? That's why he doesn't. He tore all of them out but left one because I think it, right. it provides pressure to the sprinkler system. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And so he gave me a, his brand new one. And so I have a new one and an old one. So maybe one day I'll drag your ass over here and you can help me pop that bad boy in. Whatever you need. It's not super hard. It's just cutting and gluing and all that crap. Yeah. Gotta love PVC, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. In and out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that's so that's life change. I don't know if I want to get into this. You know, this may give you an opportunity, Don, to grow the podcast once you meet new, new, uh, not employees, but coworkers and figure them out. You may, may be able to score a producer. Well, not only that, but it's going to give me more time to do things. Well, yes. It's now that I, between nine and five, every once in a while I might be on call, but between nine and five, you know, I'm working. And then when I get home, I'll have, I'll have the energy 
to do more show prep, to do more at the website, to do more, you know, getting the word out there and all that stuff. And so I'm just going to have so much more time to do things that I'm just looking forward to it. <sighs> I don't know. If and I'm yeah, going. with that, with that vacation coming up too, when yeah. you get some vacation time, be able to take some trips mm-hmm. outside the state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Las Vegas would be an awesome place to visit. Yeah. I might actually have money to buy a ticket this time in the <laughs> winter. So we could go shooting and snowboarding all in one trip. That'd be awesome. I'm going to be super vague about this and then we'll get into the news. Um, I won't do the story about how the left is turning on bill Nye because well, real quick, I'll just read the, the title bill Nye sellout guy. So the left's turning on bill Nye because he did an animated video with the, the evil people of Coca-Cola talking about uh, recycling, but um, no boy. So my daughter witnessed someone doing something at school that they really shouldn't be doing in the eighth grade. Okay. And I'm a firm believer in keep your mouth shut and don't now, say. Now would this be similar to what we may have seen when we were in school? In high school? Yes. Eighth grade, middle school? No. Except for the really, really white trash kids. You know, the people whose parents either weren't around with the, or with the mullets and the cuts, the cut sleeves all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so okay. I'm not a big fan of dropping dimes on people or, or nope. snitching, but this was an offense that there's no reason an eighth grade girl should be doing this on campus. And the fact that the eighth grade girl was trying to get my daughter involved with the nonsense. Snitches get stitches. Well, that's, that has become the problem. And so, oh, Lord. uh, Carrie, as you all know, is a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And so Nugget came home and told her what was going on. And Carrie knew the severity of the situation, so she called the school and made them aware of it. And the school didn't call back, so she was getting annoyed. And then finally they called They called my phone and said, hey, don't worry, the problem's been taken care of. I said, well, what's the potential blowback on my, my kid if the person who got in trouble knew who dropped the dime and she's like there isn't any blowback because other kids reported the issue too and we were able to verify it with security camera footage okay cool and i said to the principal now if i can just keep my kids mouth shut because you know how eighth grade girls like to talk oh yeah so she comes home hey uh, don't worry that problem taken care of just don't tell anybody okay i only told one per What? I only told so-and-so. She's my best friend. First off, you've known her for four weeks. She's not your best friend. You've been blowing off your best friend because you want to talk to dudes on Xbox. That's a whole other story for a whole other time. No, you don't tell other people. Well, she ain't going to tell. She's a 14-year-old girl who has the ins- and she has the hot dope, as they would say in World War II. She's going to. No, she won't. You need to learn to keep your mouth shut. We've had conversations about things you did in elementary school that you told people about. We told you to keep your mouth shut. There's just certain things you don't tell people. You just keep it. She won't say she's an open she's an open book, right? Very next day, crying. What's the matter? Everybody knows. Well, of course everybody knows. Because you told a 14-year-old girl. You don't tell 14-year-old bitches nothing. Nothing. And so it becomes an issue. The person who got in trouble is posting Snapchat videos, calling her out, telling how she's gonna kick her ass, and this and that and the other thing. And Carrie's concerned. I said, Carrie, don't be concerned. I've seen Sarah. I don't know she gets pissed off. She stands up to us. I don't think she's afraid of a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, you're six foot five. She stands up to your ass. Uh, well, it's concerning. Well, so we called the school. We'll let them know that it's threats. 
Nothing. No return call. She comes home today. They're talking about jumping me. She went and talked to the, the guidance counselor. And uh, so basically, she's staying home from school tomorrow because she's concerned that uh, a bunch of girls are going to jump her. And Carrie knows because she works in the school system. She's like, you know, if they don't do something about this, I'm going to do what all school administrators are afraid of, and that is file bullying paperwork. And so apparently that is a big ordeal, and that opens up all sorts of liabilities. And she's like, so help me God if one of those girls touch her. And I told, I told Nugget, I said, look, don't ever throw the first punch. I said, but one of those bitches touch you, just destroy them. Don't worry about the fallout. You're protecting yourself. We've already gone to school. We've already told them. That you this, got her back. We, you know. We've already told the school that these threats have been made. It's being made on online. So, but anyhow, she's staying home tomorrow. And uh, if we don't hear back from the principal about this crap, because Carrie went as far as the texting the girl who's supposed to be her friend and got screenshots are saying, yeah, they're, it's all over Snapchat. They're talking about jumping her, kicking her ass. So that's fun. And I just so told you're going to have to change schools. They got 30 days left. They're out June 4th. So I just said, hey, you're, you're, you, sometimes in life there's things you have to do that then you don't want to do. We will have to chalk this up to a learning experience. A learning experience. Exactly. But I told her, I said, there's sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. But the most important mouth thing is you keep your fucking mouth shut. You sure and don't tell anybody. Not even your best, especially fifteen girl. No. Well, she's my no. She wants to be cool with the bad girls. And, and when you're thirty three, you don't tell them either. Yeah, you always <laughs> when you're you ever in a situation like that, just keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah. Just just don't do. It. And she somebody told her to send her snitches get stitches. We're gonna kick your ass. It's like the girl doesn't. The girl who got in trouble don't even go to the school anymore. That's how bad what she was doing was. And it's just like, oh Christ! So, well, I might have to raise a stink at the school, so that ought to be fun. But uh, I don't know. It's just like, what the hell? You know what a double barrel wood stove is, Gordon? Wood stove with two barrels. So back during World War II times in uh, Poland and the Warsaw Ghetto. Um, when the Jews were being persecuted and they had no access to fuel and things like that, they would run their car because what you'd do is you'd get a, a, a wood barrel, you'd put wood chips in it. I'm sorry, you'd put wood in it and you put another wood barrel on top with wood chips. You would light the fire at the bottom, burn that wood. It would heat up the wood chips, which, which would get them hot enough to generate a, a flammable gas and they would run that pipe into the intake manifold and you could actually... You just have to have enough gasoline to kick over the engine and get your spark plug sparking or you crank it up and then you could actually run your car. You won't travel very fast, but you can actually run your car off of the wood chip fumes. And it does work. There's actually a pretty cool show that used to be on the History Channel where they would get like eight people and put them in a post-apocalyptic universe. And they actually did that to power their generators. They actually did the double burner, and they would run it into the end. And so they would just have to have enough gasoline to turn their generators over once or twice to get the the wood smoke. But uh, the reason I bring this up is it's it's always so funny because you, you'll you run across the, the survival guy, you know, the guy, the prepper. Mm-hmm. When the world comes to an end, you guys don't have gas. It's okay. I got myself a double barrel wood burner hooked up to my truck. Well, riddle me this, Batman. How does it work with a new truck? Well, not only that, let's say you got an old truck. Riddle me this, Batman. And this goes to all you cats, too, who 
the world comes to an end. I'll be all right. I'm going hunting. Just you? How many How many deer are in the forest, fella? Because if the world gets to the point where you're out hunting, guess who else is hunting? There'll Everybody. 30-day 30 30 supply, and that's about it. All the squirrels, rabbits, chickens, ducks, fucking waterfowl, snake, everything will be wiped out in a month. Don will be living on canal fish. Well, same thing. How much wood do you got set aside, sir? You're going to need wood to burn your burner, and you need wood chips. Ah. I could I could tell you in the Mojave Desert, not None. <laughs> and so it's always funny because you always hear these people that have these plans for contingency, and it's like, but your contingency plans relies on a super, super what is finite your resource. Your, what's a contingency to your contingency? Yeah. And, and you hear these two, Arl, I got 43,000 rounds of ammunition in case shit pops off. How are you going to lug that 43,000 pounds around? I guess you're staying home, fella, because <laughs> you ain't yeah. fucking going nowhere. 500 rounds you're is going to be out of gas in like three miles. Yep. <laughs> and by the way, as we forementioned said, keep your fucking mouth shut, because now you told one person you got 23,000 rounds of ammunition. Guess where those people are coming when shit pops off? They're coming to your house. Especially if they are way more skilled than you. Yeah, they're coming to your house to take your 23. So I, I just always I always find it's funny when you, when you see these people who have contingency plans. It's like, no, that shit ain't going to work. You're, all the fish food are going to be hunted out. All your wood's going to be burnt up. There ain't going to be a pallet to be found. All the trees are going to be cut down. All your furniture is going to be burnt up. Miles will take that money and invest in a couple of good pairs of hiking boots to keep in your closet because you're going to be on the heel to express, fella. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, fortunately, we have mountains close to us, but you do. With a valley of two million, those mountains will be overrun now, real quick. Me, Mike, Ron, and our family, we're going to go down the marina and steal a sailboat and just sail up the coast and try to get to the mainland and get the fuck out of the, the penis of the United States because shit's going to go crazy down here. I cannot imagine living down Oh, Florida crackers lost their mind. Oh, not only that, but no AC, no mosquito control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine living here in southwest Florida without them spraying for mosquitoes every other day? Oh, I would be headed oh, towards Utah or up, up towards the Rockies because the desert ain't no fun either. You know, yeah, you got to contend with all those people have those, and we have a lack of water. So, you got all those people, you have to contend with all the people, the trailer queens that have like the Jeeps that are like look like they go out mud running every weekend, but most they do is oh, the parking lot queens. Yeah, Yeah. well, I can, but we also have a good amount of people, yes, (laughs) but we do actually have a a big, big population of people who, who really do the the off roading going up the Moab and Sandy Valley and Amargosa. So, oh, yeah, you got your people do like desert running out there and stuff like yeah. that, and rock crawling, absolutely. That kind of shit. That's cool, and yeah. That hundred thousand dollars worth of rig that could break real quick. <laughs> now, out of my, my budget, before we get yep. to the news, uh, two things one, Mike came over the other day and uh, he helped me, uh, he took part in the at computers uh tech shop liquidation sale and got himself some new equipment to uh edit video on and do his podcast on so i put him to work and we rigged up a nice anchor system from a kayak now gordon you know, a while back you're telling me about duke cannon duke cannon yes it's the beard stuff i've been using duke cannon soap yes duke cannon designer soap for men now i first became aware of duke cannon uh soap for men when uh, me and Dave the Waterman were doing some uh, camera installations at a boutique designer place, and they had Duke Cannon, and I saw this box, 
And it has a World War II theme, a gentleman throwing a grenade, complete mm-hmm. with his M1 helmet and his M43s. I was like, well, that's right up my alley. But Was oh, that historically correct? Um, yeah, he actually has the old school um, World War One scabbard on the side of his musette bag. But yeah, it's all it's all correct. But they had this shit marked up. I was like, eighteen dollars. Like, I'm not paying eighteen dollars for a bar of soap. <laughs> no. And uh, but me and Mike were walking through Lowe's, and guess what? Lowe's has in the middle of their aisle now. Duke Cannon products. Duke Cannon products, and it was on so sale. Does Target six ninety nine. So mm. they went from the overpriced designer market. And so this is the Duke Cannon military spec, big-ass bar of soap, as it's referred to on the back. It smells like victory. Um, so um, I was I bought that, and it is, in fact, a big-ass bar of soap. It's literally the size of this box. It's just going to last you like four months. Four or five months, absolutely. Um, it says, not for clowns, not for not from France, uh, three times bigger than a common bar of soap, steel-cut grains, triple-milled for superior quality. And so... Um, I might actually reach out to the fine people at Duke Cannon and see if I can get some bars of soap to hand out on the What's the Scuttlebutt, seeing how it's World War II themed and all that. That'd be fun. Um, Oh, yeah. Statistically, who's the people who find dead bodies the most? Probably fishermen. Fishermen, joggers, dog walkers, people who do something outside daily. Statistically. Um, the three places I fish is Lake Zurich, the backside of Lake Zurich, Lake Mead and Gator Circle. That's four. Those are the four boat ramps within a mile from my house, two miles at most. And we have been fishing the backside of Lake Zurich for a while. We haven't been on the front side since I broke that lady's pole, but that's another story for another time. And so I was driving down Del Prado heading towards Lowe's and I see four cop cars sitting on the bridge that runs perpendicular with Del Prado. I see three cop cars down in the field where I used to park when I'd go bank fishing. Now, is this near where the whole um, goat was found? No, that's Lake Mead. That's where I was at tonight. Okay. This is okay. the other lake. This is, um, um, what exciting things happen? This is where Wally Gator, the little baby alligator, lives that we always see. Okay. Um, this is the same lake where the lady I brought the fishing pole. That's another story for another time. Um, and Sounds I like s- you want to tell that story. And I see some... <laughs> tape up and long story short the scuttlebutt goes around they found a body Uh i don't know if they found it in the canal or on the bike path underneath the bridge i do know there's a homeless fella who lives under that bridge and sadly you know how the news is they always report the original story but never do the follow-up right just like when the poor lady down the the tease right just like when the poor lady down the end of the street got stabbed 17 times on father's day they never did a follow-up story to tell us whether or not she lived or died. I just know the Ah, line. it could be a story at 11. Follow-up at 11. No, months gone by. No, they never followed up. I just know that the landlord kicks them out. Fun fact, if you get stabbed under or shot in a rental property, your shit gets kicked to the curb. Landlord don't want that. Don't need that 30 days or quit. I've seen that happen twice now. But um, but the scuttlebutt is, yeah, um, they found a body. And I'm... Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, a lot of times our water is a foot and a half deep, and it's super clear. And when you're out on that water four days a week, statistically, Carrie and I will probably come across the body at some point. We went out to um, this little place. Gordon, you might think it's cool. We have a place called Seahawk Park, and they actually have a runway for RC airplanes and helicopters. Mm-hmm. And we there's two boat ramps there. One is this 
long canal that runs next to a wilderness preserve called Alligator Sleuth. And it has a nice sign that says, use at your own discretion. Carrie and I were sitting there unloading our kayaks and see a four-foot gator swimming on by. <laughs> Bye. And we get in and we paddle out and look straight down and there's like a bone field underneath us. These weren't human bones, but these were big, short bones. I don't know if it had smelled over there too, but it was definitely a kill site. And uh, didn't catch anything there. Came back, found a dead um, boar right next to the boat ramp. That explained the smell, but there's big bones down there. But I'm, I, and Carrie said that before that body was found, she saw a news article that said, hey, if you're out fishing in C Cape Coral, the water's low and it's clear, keep on the lookout for these three people. So apparently it happens enough that they think, so I'm, I'm not looking for the day, but sadly I think that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And two days prior to that, Carrie called it's me nice morbid. at 6 a.m. She can't get to work because Del Prado's shut down. Now, okay. Del Prado's the main thoroughfare, and there's so many canals, there's only two roads that intersect with Del Prado that can get you around it. And she's trying to use Google Maps, but keeps trying to go back on Del Prado. Long story short, Del Prado was shut down because someone got ran over in front of Starbucks so early in the morning... That no one saw until three other people ran over the body. And so like four people ended up running over the same body before they finally stopped traffic and called the cops. The fuck was that? I don't know. Maybe it was just a pile of clothes in the road. Problem with that is. The thump thump. And no. The splatter. When I lived in Ohio, back before I got divorced, my later to become ex-wife, would drive down to Kentucky to pick up her father to bring him to Ohio so he could buy used cars at the right. fucking auto auctions and sell them in the newspaper out of my house when I got home from work to fucking phone drink all goddamn night. She was driving to Kentucky He's one time. still not bitter at all. She was driving to Kentucky one time and ran over a deer that had already been hit on the interstate. Now, I'm hoping the people who hit the dead body didn't have the same experience I smell something cooking. Exactly. We had to take that van to the Honey, car you cooking wash venison? and pressure wash it because of the skin on the oh. catalytic converter made it smell like she was cooking venison. And I'm only hoping that the people who hit that body didn't have that same experience. Who's cooking pig? Oh, I don't geez. know. I just couldn't even imagine. Ugh, That's man, rough. I just couldn't. Even All right, this magic. show has definitely taken a turn for the macabre. You can't always be horseshoes and lollipops. Nope. I mean, I, Horse, I, didn't bring up, I didn't bring up the fact that I snagged my hook on a dead alligator in Lake Okeechobee and decided to let that fucking hook go. <laughs> Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. I sent Mike and Ron a text that, hey, I just snagged the dead alligator. That fucker was huge, too. It was just his tail sticking out, and you see the spikes. I thought it was like the wings of a dead bird, and I just cast it nearby. It. The wind carried it in, and when I reeled it, the whole tail just rolled over. I was like, fuck. And it was braid, too. There wasn't a snapping outline. I just cut. <laughs> Did you end up seeing that thing? Yeah. I actually saw it because I, I came up on that same spot, and I saw this fishing. I didn't see it at first. I just saw a fishing line had like hung up. So I started grabbing the line, and all of a sudden I see this tail just come wafting up out of the that water. That was a like, huge, that shit. thing was probably, <laughs> I don't know, you couldn't even see the body. All, all, the tail itself was four or five feet long. That yeah, thing was that thing huge. had to have been like eight or nine feet. 
Yeah. So I figure there's probably another alligator nearby wanting to eat them, so I'm just going to let that one roll. I just yep. cut it out. And now news in the Gordon. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Getting good grades. His future's so bright. He had to wear shades. There you go. Uh, let's see here. I had... I'm kind of jumping all over the place. So we do hear the What's Your podcast. Frank James, 62. Evidently decided to do some... Possibly, because he is a suspect, decided to do some sketchy shit in New York this morning. New York City. He was called a person of interest in the attack which left 29 people injured in the New York subway. You know, Chris Rock... Did you Rock, hear this story at all? No, Chris Rock once said the main job of a father is to keep his daughter off the pole. I think the main goal of every human being is never, ever, ever to be labeled a person of interest. Well, Frank James, 62, is being fingered as the attacker in the New York subway who was wearing a gas mask. Set Moist. Off to... Said he was fingered. <laughs> Dear God. So he wore the gas attacker... mask? Was wearing a gas mask while he set off two smoke grenades before he began opening fire. Oh, Jesus. In the subway. Talk about premeditated. Talk about an asshole. Talk about an asshole. Thanks, guy. You're not helping our fucking case over here with we like guns. But anyway. He's an asshole, sir. Yes. Potentially. He's he's just a person of interest right now. Asshole. Major asshole. So the attacker wearing you know a gas that? mask. Gunners made first class Philip Asshole. Also known as D-Train. How many assholes um, we got on this ship anyhow? <laughs> I knew it. All I'm of surrounded them. by assholes. Keep firing, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so he was wearing a gas mask. He set off two smoke grenades before the shooting. He uh, fled to the, the Brooklyn platform in a panic, leaving the subway car filled with screaming commuters oh. and bleeding victims. So there's your wet, your, your whole wet thing. If there's um, any justice in the world, this would be one of those dipshits who went online and got like a World War II era gas mask where the filter is made from the nice, lovely material that we call asbestos, and he'll come down with lung cancer and mesothelioma in another 20 years. Yeah. Well, he's at 69, uh, 62. Who knows if he'll make 20 years. Maybe anyway. he already had a World War II gas mask. So at least 10 people were shot, and at least 19 others were taken to hospitals for injuries ranging from smoke inhalation to shrapnel wounds. Authorities said the gunman fired 20, 33 times with a Glock 17, 9 millimeter. I was going to say 17 to 9. Yeah. Well, they, it got actually written as the 99 millimeter, but <laughs> I, I, did the, I did the math. What the fuck uh, is going on? Wasn't there like a mass shooting in California like a week ago, too? Yes, there was. Jesus Christ. And what's interesting, you're happening in these heavy gun control areas. You don't say. Hmm. You mean cities that are full of soft targets? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the comment I made. That's the comment I made to carry there. Now we're watching season two of Top Boy. It takes place in London. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, it's funny how in London, where they have all this gun control, these gangsters have guns. Now the irony is, is there's gun dealers on there on season two, and they're selling, they're moving grease guns, which were the cheap replacements for the Thompson submachine gun during World War II. So they, they're. I got a whole bag full of grease guns. One of them has a silencer. I'm like, Who, how do you put a silencer on a grease gun? The things were stamped out of 10. But anyway. Right. So authorities, uh, they started searching the subway car and they found two undetonated smoke grenades, a hatchet, 
gasoline, fireworks, and a key to a U-Haul van. This guy was definitely planning some shit. Mm-hmm. The key uh, led police to James, who said uh, it is believed to have he, that he had rented this this U-Haul vehicle in Philadelphia. Authorities found the van in Brooklyn. Uh, Flyers and, fan and, and that explains it. Huh? Flyers fan that explains it. Yeah. Seawall uh, noted that investigators were poring over social media posts appearing to come from James, or he mentioned homelessness in New York City Mayor Eric Adams. She said the mayor city security detail would have tightened, you know, out of, has been tightened out of abundance of caution. Isn't this the same mayor who ran on the platform of bringing back police and justice and yeah, he's stemming crime? Carried, carried, he carried. Yeah. yeah. So um, He's doing a spectacular job, apparently. Spectacular. Let's see here. Why did my stories print twice? Berlin. Why? Because it's Germany and it's not Florida. Mm-hmm. A 60-year-old man, yeah. because it's COVID, yeah. allegedly had himself vaccinated against COVID-19 Good dozens of times. Is this the guy to do it so he could sell knockoff cards? That's exactly it. In Germany, wow. in order to sell forged vaccination cards with real vaccine batch numbers to people not wanting to get vaccinated themselves. The man is from eastern German city of Magdeburg. Eh, who cares that I might have a bad result? How, I mean, is it, can you get inoculated too many times? Can you get sick from that? If he did, it would, who knows? But his, na- his name has not been released in line with the German privacy rules. <sighs> said to have Must received nice. up to how many shots? Take a guess. 18. 10. 90. 90. Holy shots of COVID-19 vaccination centers in eastern state of Saxony for months until criminal police caught him this month. Doesn't that just tell you that no one's keeping track of shit over there? I mean, you can ninety. Even, you couldn't even get away with that at the blood bank. Ninety times. No, like you gave blood within the last three thirty days. You can't give blood again. This guy's nine times. Ninety times. Jesus. Nine. Months? No. Uh, anyway, yeah. So you got that shit going on. They obviously say that uh, it's not immediately clear what the impact of approximately ninety shots of COVID nineteen vaccines will do. <laughs> Which were from different brands, by the way. That's what you call a control group. Oh, he's a control group <laughs> of one. So, uh, speaking of that, Philadelphia had removed their mask mandate March 1st, and now it's back on again. So, you know, glad I don't live in the city of brotherly love. I can imagine living in a town that's still doing that. I have one or two clients that still do the mask thing. It's like I still see this? idiots driving around in a car by themselves. They don't have a Lyft sign. They don't have an Uber sign, and they still got the mask. It's a pacifier at this point. Oh, it is. It is it's a pacifier at this point. A little local news. Let me give you a little break here. Talking about having low standards. Father chases man who secretly recorded daughter and others in the Lee County fitting rooms. Pervert. Here's where the low standards comes in. Fort Myers, Florida, Cape Coral man was arrested four days after allegedly using his cell phone to film underage girls at the Goodwill dressing room in Fort Myers. Dalton Matheson, a 29-year-old perv, is facing charges after law enforcement released images of this nasty fuck on social media Wednesday morning. 
Matheson was caught on camera at the Goodwill store in Challenger Boulevard around 9.30 a.m. on April 2nd, according to the Fort Myers Police Department. This guy just looks like, he looks 40. Double chin, probably weighs, I don't know, pushing 300. Investigators said he went into the store, grabbed some clothes, and then went into the fitting room before two girls who were also shopping went into the fitting room stall next to his. That's why you shop at stores that have, well, I was going to say the, the men's and women's fitting world room, but in 2020, I guess that would be uncouth. You have to be able to use all of them. Investigators said he went into the store, grabbed some clothes, and then went to the fitting room for the girls, yada, yada, yada. The 29-year-old allegedly took out his cell phone and started recording the girls changing from atop the stall, according to the Fort Myers Police Department. One of the girls reportedly... Don't com- mind this phone peeking over the stall. One of the girls reportedly commented about the cell phone before the suspect immediately took it away and left the store. Later on Wednesday, Lee County deputies said the father of the two girls chased him after he was seen again using his cell phone to record girls in a dressing room at Walmart on Dear San Carlos Boulevard. So this guy frequents the Goodwill and then heads over to Walmart on San Carlos Boulevard in Fort Myers. Uh, according to LC, I'm sorry, Lee County Sheriff's Office, the girls ages, ages 4 and 12 told their father what was happening before Matheson was arrested. Wow, he fucking He should gross. have been beat within an inch of his life. Why can't we do that? Why can't we beat up pedos? These are the two laws we need to reinstate. And I know we're supposed to, you know, can't abuse people, but the two laws we need. One, we all need to be able to just beat up pedophiles, right? We can all agree on that. And two, whenever um, the animal shelter shows these commercials with the dogs on TV. Oh, Sarah McLaughlin? With Sarah McLaughlin. They should be required to post the photos of the owners in which the dogs were taken from. I actually have to turn those off. I know, but we need a side-by-side. Let's, okay, two seconds of the dog and then 15 seconds of the owner. Let, mm-hmm. let that shitbag's face get out there so people can ridicule them and possibly beat them in the streets. Mm. Um, anyhow, later on Wednesday, Lee County deputy said the father of two girls chased him after he was seen at Walmart, according to blah, blah, blah. Deputies with Lee County Sheriff's Office arrested the pervert at the Lee Trans facility near Pine Ridge Road. This guy gets around. Um, clearly, he was... He's a bus rider. Uh, Lee County Sheriff's officer had a press conference Thursday morning about Matheson's arrest. So one less perv on the street. What the fuck is wrong with people? Everything. Oh, the this last two years has really uh, brought it forward. I guess. But let's uh, let's get to a little more interesting final story for the evening. Beware of foxes. Like Especially hot in the chicks? Capital, especially in the Capitol Hill area. And now, breaking news. Representative Amy Barra, Democrat of California, learned firsthand Monday while walking to the Capitol for some votes, and it is a he, by the way, is now going and is undergoing a series of four rabies shots <laughs> out of an abundance Ow, of caution. Ow, Charlie, you bit me. <laughs> Barra said he felt something <laughs> lunge at him from behind as he walked near one of the Senate office buildings. He turned and used his umbrella to fend off what he thought would be a small dog. Is this in D.C. or London? This is, is in D.C. Who the hell carries umbrellas? Ami Barrera. Apparently. Um, and he realized he was tangling with a fox. Barra said the encounter lasted about 15 seconds. A bystander yelled, to alert others, and the fox fled the U.S. Capitol. 
as you uh, fled as U.S. Capitol Police officers ran upon the scene. Medical doctor Barrera looked for puncture wounds because you know, as a medical doctor, he looked for puncture wounds. They, they missed an as. Um, <clears throat> he didn't see any evidence, but there was some abrasion, so he consulted a Capitol physician who told him not to take any chances and get treated. From what I understand, rabies shots are fucking horrible. I was going to say same thing. From what I understand, those things hurt like a motherfucker. Speaking of wild dogs. So it's a series of four shots. Remember, Walter Reed. Remember when Dave was on the show and I would talk about when I'd go running around at night, I would see coyotes. Yep. And then Carrie said, are you sure it wasn't an emaciated dog? I said, no, it's a coyote. Tonight, it's got long snouts. We were paddling down Lake Mead. Going back in Canal, same neighborhood I live in, and Carrie looks up, and I didn't see it. I was 20 yards away. She looks up, and there's a coyote standing on the bank looking at her. And she's like, holy shit, it's a coyote. I was like, see, I told you, whenever I go running out here at night, I see him, and you're always telling me, no, it's a I was like, it looks like an emaciated German shepherd, don't it? She's like, yep. I said, yep, they're out here. They're, they come down here to drink the water. We Did I talk about the two that I saw when I went to walk Oliver? No. So I pulled into the park. This is right after his surgery. So I just drove. It's literally like an eighth of a mile. We usually walk there. And I pull in and I'm like, oh, look at those two little dogs over there. One's doing the post shit shuffle, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking around looking the, for the owner. The stiff leg kick. <laughs> yep. I was like, uh, uh, those are coyotes. You getting pets, Mike? So, uh, yeah, I have a uh, dog that lives with me and a dog that doesn't. <laughs> hey, the guy never talks about his dogs. You never have any. What kind of dog you got? I have a black lab. Uh, it's actually my girlfriend's dog that I have adopted. Who's a good and boy? then uh, I have a uh, Pitbull uh, American Boxer mix. So no, he's well, not allowed to live where I live, so he lives with my mother. No, that sucks. One of those landlord rules. Yeah. Come here, come here. Well, Bailey's laying back here on to the, the floor. Story. This is mine. You're getting big. Oh. Yeah, he uh, he's about two inches taller than he should be. Hey, buddy. Um, needless to say, so I, I leave Oliver in the car, and I just get on out of here, get, you, you know, and they, they skedaddled across the parking lot and up the uh, the culvert, but we've they're everywhere right now, and part of that has to do with just the amount of construction we've got going on. It's it's insane. Absolutely insane. Freaking Californians. It's great that they're raising my property value, but, you know. I don't know what to do with it because you go to go somewhere. Is he else licking your arm? He's licking my hand. Okay, Bebop does that every time she during a podcast. I'll pick her up. She just licks my arm. It's like stop. Yep. But yeah. So is that That's the it. final story? That is the final story. That is the final story. And of course, I don't have the right music bed up because I'm a hot fucking mess. I still need a producer up in this piece. This concludes the evening news, and now back to the ACT Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. Not anymore. i got to have her recut these samples now. We have to do what they call in the radio business, re-imaging. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys. Is it going to be one of those where it's, like, slightly off and the, the studio no, needs to have a little I'll just have her pre re-record. It's so funny. When oh, I no, no, you should do it as a bit. Come on. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because when I ask her to come and record stuff, she puts on this whole, oh, really, right now? Oh, but, you know, Actually, you She's, you should use Nugget's voice just for the name of the studio right in the middle. <laughs> well, hopefully I can find somebody else to sponsor, and it'll become the Your Business Here studio. But anyhow, if you guys want to support the uh, sh channel and the show and everything else we do here at the Digital 410 Network, like uh, provide you guys with great podcasts, such as the What's In Your Head podcast, the What's The Scuttlebutt podcast, 
the Fail the Fail podcast and the Tackle Your Personal Best podcast featuring Mike and Ron, uh, please head over to d-410.com, click on that Patreon link, sign up and subscribe. It'll only cost you a dollar a month. If you kind of like us, if you really like us, you can sign up for the $3.50 a month plan. And if you like us, like us, like us, like other one of yours, you can sign up for the Long Arms Deep Pocket Plan, which is $7.50 a month. And after month number two, you'll get a free shirt. Mike knows he's got one. And yeah. um, it goes a long way to help support what we're doing here. And if you haven't done so, please go over to the YouTube channel and like and subscribe and uh Watch some of our videos because we need a, a couple more hours worth of views to get that monetization. We hit the numbers, but now we got to get the views in there. And so you can really, if you don't want to sign up and buy shirts, I, I get that. Um, even if you don't sign up for Patreon, by the way, you can buy shirts. Head over to d-410.com. Click on the link and you can find all the shirts. Um, but, um, yeah, if you don't want to spend any money and you want to help us out, just go watch some more videos and help get those view counts up there so we can start getting our beaks wet off the advertisement that YouTube's already running on our videos. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's Your Head podcast. If you leave whiskey in a barrel for several years, I hit the wrong one again. Same is not true for people. That's what happens when you hit O instead of zero. That's what we're looking for. But thank you guys so much, and we'll be back next Monday. And I hope you have a great week. And next Monday, I'll come on and tell you about my first day on my new job. So thanks, thanks guys, for hanging out, and we will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>